Let's talk about the real world for a moment, shall we? Where you're not some wonderful lone wolf hero, but you're part of a team and you play your position because that's what America is, Mr. Jeffries. It's one big team. Now, this might be difficult for you to grasp, but I am a patriot. And a patriot is one who makes the right moral choice. Sometimes it takes a strong man to make that choice. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. We're streaming out live on the Alternate Current Radio Network and also at 21stCenturyWire.com and after the show, available on iTunes. Uh, and also, we're on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Uh, if you have those apps or on your smart television, we're broadcasting on those platforms as well. Now, we're going to be joined uh, by a special guest right now. Uh, we're on the live link from Beirut, Lebanon. And if you listened to our program in the past, you would have been familiar with her work. But she's also the host of a new program on Press TV called Midi Stream. And I think they're in their eighth episode already. And her name is Marwa Osman. And she's on the live link right now from Beirut. Hello, Marwa. Hey, Patrick. Thank you for having me again. Uh, thank you for joining us, Marwa. And uh, I probably guess what we're uh, going to discuss right now, the, the big story right now in the region is is u.s iranian relations of course there's a few other actors involved in this story as well but you can kind sure. of give us a little bit of uh, your views on this firstly just give us give us an update of of where the situation is right now marwa uh with regards to sort of the aftermath of the shoot down of the u.s uh, drone the global hawk uh by the iranians where where, where are things standing right now what are you hearing well, it's still it's still a bit of a tense situation at the moment, despite the fact that a de-escalation did actually occur when Donald Trump uh, chose to uh, back off from the strike that was supposedly scheduled for early Friday uh, at dawn uh, to be targeted against uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran. That did actually show some sort of a de-escalation. And we also heard uh, Donald Trump yesterday saying um, with a more of a friendly tone, uh, thanking Iran for not uh, targeting the um, the plane that was uh, maybe the, the U.S. Navy uh, P-8A Poseidon plane that was supposedly just after the uh, uh, the spy drone uh, uh they they said they could have uh, targeted it, but they didn't because it had 35 uh, uh, persons on it, 35 humans on it. So he basically thanked them for the what he called, quote unquote, wise decision. So I think, uh, but the issue is it's not more about what the politics, it's more about what's going on on the ground. Because in the past seven hours or even 10 hours or so, we've been reading about a, a cyber attack that the U.S. initiated against the Islamic Republic of Iran in retaliation of uh, the downing of their plane, despite the fact that the plane was inside uh, Iranian uh, Waters. It was violating Iranian airspace. But the uh, cyber attack that the U.S. is claiming, the U.S. Army is claiming that they took a red uh, 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 signal from uh, the president, from Donald Trump, to initiate it. They said that they have targeted uh, the systems that control the um, missiles and the launchers of uh, the missile launchers of uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran. But we have not heard a word that 
came out of, of Tehran that speaks about that. Uh, even if that's the case, I don't think that we will hear about it. But at the same time, I think that what happened, uh, given all the scenery on the ground, given the explosions that happened in Fujairah port in the UAE, the uh, attack against the tankers in Saudi Arabia, the attack against uh, the uh, uh, Oman Gulf, uh, the uh, Norwegian uh, tanker and the Japanese tanker that were also targeted. Uh, tensions were increasing, but after the downing of the plane, I think a very harsh message is being sent by the Islamic Republic of Iran that, yes, we don't want a war, but we are not going to just sit and watch if you want to bring that war to us. And I think now what we are seeing, which is something new that we are seeing, despite the fact that we all know that uh, the U.S. Army has military bases all across the uh, Middle East, especially uh, around uh, Iran and, again, especially in the Persian uh, Gulf Arab states like the UAE, Oman, Kuwait, uh, uh, Qatar, uh, Bahrain, and uh, uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh, today, uh, there was in, in the news, it was said that uh, it was reported today that yesterday the Islamic Republic of Iran uh, called uh, on the um, UAE ambassador in uh, Tehran uh, to uh, some sort of a, like put some sort of of um, a red line and to uh, ask him why an unmanned drone, a spy drone, took off from uh, a UAE airport to come and spy, which is an act of war against Iran, which means that the UAE is taking part in the actions of war against the Islamic Republic of Iran. That's also something new because uh, it's the first time that it happens and now that they call for an ambassador. And at the same time, we see how things are going on in the Middle East. We see uh, the tensions also arising in Yemen. Uh, we see certain skirmishes all across uh, uh, Syria and the areas that are not liberated yet. We see in Iraq that the, the U.S. Army has taken... Uh, it, it's being said that uh, uh, oil companies are uh, um, take or or uh, are uh, maybe closing certain branches and taking away people who are working in those branches because of certain attacks against them. That's also uh, an increase in tension, but that's basically resistance against the presence of uh, uh, occupation of U.S. occupation in the region. So wherever you look in the Middle East, tensions are high. We are still not over the uh, uh, state of emergency, if you will, in the region. Uh, Donald Trump again yesterday said that uh, he didn't say that he doesn't want to strike or he uh, uh, has taken the strike uh, option of the table he just at that moment in time thought that it was a disproportionate or not proportionate to kill 150 plus humans uh, in return for a drone which is just a robot that was down but again the situation is still tense uh, we still don't know if trump will uh, target Iran or not. Uh, today, four hours ago, John Bolton landed in uh, the Palestinian occupied territories in uh, what is known as Tel Aviv. He uh, landed there. He had a meeting, a press conference with uh, the occupation prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. And it was obvious that they were not satisfied with the decision uh, of Donald Trump to stop the attack. It was obvious that Mohammed bin Salman was not satisfied because of the phone call that happened. Uh, uh, Trump was saying that the phone call happened just to reassure the role of uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and stability. That's ironic and funny, but I'm gonna, not going to go there. And again, at the UAE, we had lots of voices, official voices, whether on Twitter or uh, on TV, that were voicing their discontent with the decision that was taken. 
So it was as if people were waiting for this to happen. People were waiting for the U.S. to wage war against Iran on their behalf uh, in the region, uh, which Donald Trump, I think, realized. Uh, uh, I think he knew about it before, but it took such a, a very tense moment for him to take this decision at the last 10 minutes. But I mean, uh, come on, it's, it was more surprising. And even I'd say it, it was shocking how chaotic the Oval Office was, the decision making process. I mean, why on earth was Trump like not informed earlier of how likely the death toll would be of such a uh, uh, a strike because I think he definitely was informed. So there's something else that we don't know. I mean, uh, how did Trump plan to respond, for for example, to uh, an, an Iranian retaliation against U.S. or allied forces in the region if that had happened, if Iran had taken it a step further down the plane and attacked certain bases? How would have he reacted? Because there are a lot of issues going on. I mean, and we also heard uh, a rumor, I don't know if it's true, but I would tend to believe it, knowing the character of Donald Trump, that uh, it might most probably, it was the Fox News host, uh, Carlson, who reportedly he's uh, his confidant, he was the one who persuaded Trump to pause, to halt the attack. So what kind of a decision-making process is that? I mean, it also shows a lot of uh, confusion, incompetence, especially with such a military, the U.S. military. There was incompetence there. There was a decision-making process that didn't go through. I mean, we've all heard about the uh, faults in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Yemen. They have killed hundreds of thousands of people with the press of a button people at a funeral or at a wedding. But this time, I mean, we all were waiting. I, I had no doubt that a strike was going to take place. Yet Trump shocked us all. Yes, yeah, and, and that, that brings us to this uh, question. What would happen? What would happen if, if the United States decided to retaliate? And granted, they, they may, the Pentagon supposedly thought through all of these processes, supposedly, uh, but, but do they really have a realistic picture? Uh, or maybe they do, and this is why they didn't retaliate, because, because in, in reality, Marwa, being realistic, if the United States retaliated and attacked and, and took out, like, say, air defenses and hit Iran with missiles, etc., what really would probably have happened realistically? Would Iran have done a measured counterstrike against U.S. targets as a result? Um, or would they have basically held back for and said and, and drew a final red line at that point? And, and, you know, would they strike if the U.S. did it a second time? What, what do you think? How, how would that have played out? How will it have played out? Look, uh, before the drone incident, I would have said that I, I honestly don't know because it's been like uh, how long since Iran had been directly in, uh, at war with another country. So I don't know how they would react. But, but after the downing of a drone, which is a $220 million drone with a system that costs $10 billion that is uh, uh, produced and uh, manufactured by NASA, I mean, those people have, obviously now we know that those people have high technology, homemade high technology that is capable of downing such uh, U.S. 
let's say, creme de la creme uh, technology. So what about the F-16s or the F-35 or warships or uh, battleships in the uh, inside the Persian Gulf uh, or around uh, the uh, Persian Arab Gulf, uh, the Persian Gulf Arab states? Uh, I mean, with, with such uh, a retaliation, a fast one, if I may, from the Islamic Republic of Iran, the people are uh, uh, obviously ready for a war. And I mean, if you look at it, if you want to talk about what would happen in a possible war against Iran, it would be very, very difficult for an invasion to uh, be successful. I think it would cost literally scores if, if I, I don't want to say thousands, I'm just going to say hundreds to, ski, to keep it real. Hundreds of U.S. lives at the shores of Iran. But the issue here is not about the invasion. It's more about the targeting of bases. I mean, the UAE would be, can you imagine, it's, 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 it's a radius of 600 kilometers that would include Riyadh in that. Uh, we're talking about the UAE, all of the UAE, Oman, Qatar. Uh, maybe not Qatar because they still are with, uh, I mean, they have good relations with Iran, but we need to remember that uh, uh, Al-Odeid uh, Air Base, which is the biggest air base, U.S. air base in the region is placed in Qatar. So any kind of um, uh, U.S. Uh, warplanes will have to take off from that air base, which means Qatar is, all, is also under fire, would, would be under uh, Iranian fire. Bahrain, it has the fifth fleet, the U.S. fifth fleet uh, in the Middle East, that would also be a target. And if people don't understand the geography of the area, they just, just put a map and zoom into that area. You would see how easy it is without even moving from Iran, how easy it would be to target those areas. And let us not forget that the Iranian technology has reached Yemen, it has reached Lebanon, Syria, Iraq. I mean, Yemenis are targeting areas that are 700 kilometers away from Sana'a with a $2,000 drone. It's called the Qasif uh, K-4 drone. A $2,000 drone that was capable of bombing uh, Aramco and stopping the east-west pipeline. You know how many barrels? Five million barrels per day were stopped by a $2,000 drone. Can you imagine what would happen if Iran just gave a, re a green light for all its allies in the region for the actual access of res resistance to open fire against Saudi Arabia, against Israel from both Syria and Lebanon, and against military bases, U.S. military bases in Syria and the eastern part of the Euphrates and in uh, Iraq, especially in Kirkuk, in Baghdad, in uh, uh, Fallujah and Bar, you know what would happen? It would be literally fireworks everywhere. Tons of people would be killed. Thousands of refugees would have been created only because the U.S. cannot fathom the idea that the Islamic Republic of Iran is a sovereign state that will not allow U.S. foreign policy to invade it. I mean, John Bolton, how many times have John Bolton on live TV and in every conference that he attends goes up and says, next year, 2019, then he says, 2020, we're going to be standing in Tehran celebrating the fall of the regime. Who the hell are you, excuse my French, to say that you will make a country that has 
thousands of years of history, culture, capabilities, 40 plus years of economic sanctions, medical sanctions, blockade. They were capable of creating their own community. They were capable of creating their own a mass weapon uh, uh, manufacturing process. They were capable of becoming satisfied with their own production to say that you're going to, in one year, you're going to break that regime. Why? Because you don't understand it, because you don't accept the fact that they're sovereign, because you don't like the fact that they help every poor nation in the, in, in the region to stand in the face of imperialism, in the face of Zionism, in the face of Wahhabism. You don't, you don't, you cannot fathom the idea that Iran helped Syria and Hezbollah to take out ISIS inside of Syria. If anyone in the U.S. is listening to me and thinks that U.S. is the one that took out ISIS, honey, we make jokes about you here. We joke and laugh about you because you have no idea what happened. You have no idea how many lives sacred lives were lost from the Syrian Arab army, from Hezbollah, from the Fatimiyun, from the, from the Al-Quds brigades, from the Islamic Revolutionary Guards, from all across, literally, or across the Middle East, there were fighters who stood uh, shoulder by shoulder to take out ISIS and Al-Qaeda in Syria that were put there by the U.S. with direct evidence from Hillary Clinton's emails. Do you think that if it weren't for Iran, that Syria wouldn't have been a second Libya? If it hadn't been for Iran and Russia, you would have seen Syria in chaos just as Libya is because of the U.S. foreign policy. The U.S. wants to see Syria like Libya, Lebanon, Palestine, Iraq, Iran. It has all of the uh, Arab uh, Gulf states in its pocket. It is imperialism and it's the imposition and the imposing of capitalism in these countries that despise capitalism, despise imperialism. They are natives who want to live freely under sovereign states away from dictatorships imposed by the U.S. This is exactly what Iran is fighting. Iran fought in 1979 to take out a dictator who called himself a king. And from that on, when democracy was spread, when every minority was represented in the Iranian uh, uh, parliament, when every uh, uh, human literally got their, their uh, social, medical and um, educational rights in Iran, uh, the, the U.S. didn't like that because it saw it saw uh, a new nation breeding uh, people that could build it up by its own without the help of without the, uh, any external help to begin with. That is why the U.S. is imposing more sanctions. And don't get me wrong, imposing choosing not to bomb, but imposing more economic sanctions that are suffocating the regular Iranian citizen is an act of war. And the and Iran has every legitimate right, according to the U.N. charter, to defend itself. The U.S. is the only country on this planet that does not abide by international law, that is not part of the uh, um, proliferation treaty the nuclear proliferation treaty it is not part of the icc the uh, criminal court in the hague the international criminal court why aren't they part of these systems because they see themselves as above superior of the system they see themselves as superior to every other country on this nation don't don't get me wrong i do understand that us is an empire but an empire to flourish it does not need to be aggressive at all shores. Why, does, why is the U.S. the only country on the planet that has offshore bases? 
It, there are a couple of other countries like Britain and France that have bases in Africa and, and other countries. But the U.S. literally has in every nation except Iran, except Venezuela, except Syria until lately, except Cuba. And these are the nations that they are fighting because they are, these are sovereign states. China is a big enemy. Why? It's a monster. They call it a dragon. Why? Because it's a sovereign nation. Why should you care what kind of a system happens in there? Why should I care what kind of a system happens in the US? It's your problem. Deal with it. This yep. is why the U.S. Is, is not able to fathom the idea that Iran is a sovereign state. They call it the mullah regime. Do they have any idea what a mullah is? Do they know what kind of a constitution Iran works with? They call it, oh, the Sharia law. Did they even understand that the word Sharia literally means law in English? Sharia means law in Arabic. What does Sharia law say? Sharia means law, civilian law legally to, to have a system that would legally ensure the safety and the uh, rights of every citizen they are not okay with with uh, um, hijab being imposed on women in iran hello saudi arabia is your biggest ally and women are beaten up in the streets if they uncover their hair if you dare go to iran you see that half the women don't even cover their hair <laughs> yeah and and it's the case as well. I think there is an idea in the U.S., Marwa, and maybe they got this idea in the U.S. from a few uh, conflicts like Gulf War One, and, of course, in 2003, that, you know, a, a few weeks of shock and awe, a few weeks of shock and awe. In other words, uh, cruise missile strikes and salvos uh, against a country that really probably didn't have the ability to fight back at all. That, 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 that would sort of pave the way uh, to mission accomplished, and you hoist the banner after a few uh, mission well, accomplished. If, so if they are really so generous, how how about they tell us how did that go in Iraq? It, it, this is my point that, that I think it wouldn't even be possible to even do that first step with Iran. Uh, I think this is in a, in a way a delusional uh, mm -hmm. fantasy by a lot of war planners, or at least they're maybe the ones that really know Marwa or know, know that it's not possible, but the politicians are, are crowing like uh, in festooning around like peacocks, the, the Pompeos, the Boltons of the world, like, like they could actually pull that off. Uh, with well, Iran. Though, look, I could I could uh, agree with you that they have uh, created chaos and literally uh, divided Iraq. But at the same time, up until now, they are in a big quagmire inside of Iraq. Look what happened. Why is the U.S. so much in a hurry to put the Hashd um, al-Shabi, the uh, popular mobilization forces to be put on terrorist list, despite the fact that it was the Iraqi popular mobilization forces that kicked out ISIS from Mosul, kicked out ISIS from all the borderline with Syria. They are so keen on taking this system down because they know that the next is going to be the U.S. occupation inside of Iraq. The people take, took a decision to take control of their lives back. Just think about what would happen if they would try that with Iran. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly correct. You're seeing this popping up uh, all over the U.S. So that's kind of a hot talking point. They, are, they call them the Iranian militias or militias loyal to Iran in, in Iraq. You're talking about the Hashid. This is the people's mobilization. They are Iraqis. They are natives from exactly. Iraq, from all over Iraq, from all sects in Iraq. They are not only Shias. There are Shias and Sunnis and Christians from all over Iraq who took arms to defend their countries and their villages and their towns against ISIS, which was created by the U.S. 
Can anyone tell me why until now Fallujah and the eastern part of the Euphrates, where the U.S. has military bases, is the only spots on the planet that have ISIS so far? Who is giving people don't ask the right questions. I mean, I could understand that mainstream media is is a brainwashing uh, uh, system in uh, the Western world, especially in the U.S. But I mean, literally any civilian, any person, whether he works as a carpenter or he's he works in a bank or he's a, a, a professional uh, um, uh, um, medic. What, how would people like just look at the map and look at the eastern part of the Euphrates where uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the very uh, eastern part or the border with Iraq is taken by the Iraqis and the western part is taken by the Syrian Arab army? Could someone tell me where is ISIS getting their uh, sources, their food, their money and their arms? They're being airdropped to them. From whom do you think are they being airdropped to them? Why is still ISIS thriving there? No one, no one has an answer because they don't want to look just uh, 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 in front of the what's just there in front of their noses. They don't want to look just 10 meters away. They just believe that it is the U.S. that's going there to help people. Help people from what? They're taking money from your own pockets to invade other countries, to steal them, manipulate their uh, uh, native people, and to uh, install uh, regimes, puppet regimes and dictatorships where they could control even more the resources and the, the decision-making process in that uh, area. You call us militias and terrorists and we call you occupation, imperial occupation forces. We, we will literally, we are dying. We are dying from sanctions. We are dying from diseases because of the war. And we are dying from wars. Do you expect us to throw in new flowers when you invade us? Do you expect that Iranians will be waiting for you, clapping for the American hero? This is not Hollywood. This is the real deal. This is the real life. Iranians are fed up with the sanctions, but at the same time, they will never leave their country when it's in need. That's that's exactly the point we were making earlier as well, that uh, this incident and series of incidents and threats by the U.S. is actually galvanizing internal Iraqi support. Uh, for the government, and they people do realize they're under economic warfare uh, right mm-hmm. now. So from this point, it's not a great move by the United States. But uh, the the last we just got a couple minutes left, Marwin. The last thing I was going to um, ask you is if if the United States uh, escalate against I- Iran, and mm-hmm. I'm, for, forget about what Iran's reaction might be, it could be of varying degrees. But if the United States uh, go on the aggre- on the aggressive side. Before I go into Syria, yes, the U.S. has puppet governments and uh, puppet monarchies in the Gulf, but at the same time, it does not control the people there. We have seen the eastern part of uh, Saudi Arabia, the Awamiya district, which it's still it's it's a war zone against Al Saud. We have seen Bahrain. Hundreds and uh, hundreds of people in uh, incarcerated, tortured, and still the the protests that we never see on the, on uh, TV from March 2011 up until now they have never stopped for one day. Uh, Kuwait would literally go over the board for Iranians because half of them are Iranians. The UAE, if you want to talk about the population, the literal uh, natives of the UAE, half of them are Iranians because Iran historically has was or had um, it, it was as big as the entire uh, region it it was it had the uae as part of it qatar kuwait uh, part of bahrain it was all part of the persian empire and at the same time if you look at what happened after especially after syria it would not be a war between the U.S. and Iran. It would be a regional war against all the proxies of the U.S. in the region. Israel would be the first target. Then the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Then 
UAE. I mean, it would be uh, uh, some sort of uh, a game changer because it would be every part of, of this region would be fighting in the same direction against different sections. What I mean is Iran would take control over Qatar, UAE. I mean control, It would. I mean bomb. Iran would be targeting the UAE. It would be targeting uh, Qatar. It might target Kuwait, but most definitely Bahrain as well. Yemen would unleash all its hell against the uh, kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And Israel will not even have a time to breathe from the rockets that it will be falling on it from Lebanon and especially from Syria, especially after Donald Trump gave the Golan Heights as if it was his father's to Netanyahu. It would be a scene where everyone would be included because this, my friend, would be the real war that everyone is anticipating but no one wants because we know how expensive this war, I mean, uh, casualty-wise, how expensive this war would be. But everyone would, sentimentally, the people, they would definitely be against the, the United States of America. It's already there. The sentiment is already there because of the deal of the century. The sentiment is already heightening. People are against their regime. For, for humiliating them in front of the Zionist entity, for selling out Palestine, for selling Tunisians who went and visited Israel. People are fed up with this system. The system is affecting everyone economically, socially, uh, even educationally at the, at the academic level. Everyone is fed up. And a war is what would either fix it or completely break it. And at this moment, I would see wreckage. I would see Lebanon broken. I would see Iraq broken. But at the same time, I would see every proxy regime for the US also broken. I don't think Donald Trump wants that to happen. But given the fact that that Bolton made that uh, trip to Netanyahu, who are both warmongering psychopaths who wants to see the entire region up in flames, I think they are pushing for war. And it's now literally them against Donald Trump and his real confidants, whether they will engage in war or not. We just have to wait and see. And I think these couple of months, especially this month and next month, are very risky. Tenses are high. Tension is at peak. And we just have to wait and see. I, I personally would pray for war not to happen because I have kids and I'm afraid for the well-being of my kids. I don't want them to even hear a bullet. But if if it goes down to a war, we are all going to stand together. The axis of resistance is going to stand together in the face of imperialism. And, uh, and Marwa, where, where can uh, people see your new show uh, on Press TV, which is, which is excellent, uh, fantastic new Thank show, Mideast Dream? Is it, is it, uh, is it, does it have its own YouTube channel, or is it on your YouTube channel? Uh, the issue is, uh, we, uh, you know, Press TV was was uh, deleted by Google, by uh, YouTube. They started a new channel a month ago, and it's still people are not picking up. People thought that uh, Press TV just went off YouTube, but it was YouTube who took the decision because they they're obviously uh, putting down voices that give the truth from the Middle East, especially from the region. Uh, so I'm I'm basically trying to upload the uh, the episodes on my own channel, Marwa Osman. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, that's a bit risky. That I might also have my channel uh, put down, but at the end of the day, I need to put it. But you can just go to the website of Press TV, PressTV.com. Just click on programs and go to Media Stream, and you can find every episode and watch it. We have a Facebook page. I don't have a Twitter page yet, yet because it's literally me we're doing all the work. So I'm all over the place. So now I do have a Facebook page. I'm uh, soon enough gonna gonna have a Twitter page. 
I upload on uh, Facebook all the introductions because we do a lot of work for the first three minutes, uh, the introduction for the topic of, uh, of the episode. And it's really uh, good work that's being done by uh, young uh, men and women here in Beirut. Uh, so I upload that on Facebook. And then soon enough, I just have one episode now because it was really good. Uh, episode number four, I uploaded on my channel. But hopefully soon I'm going to upload the rest. Yeah, so there's a link, actually, we, we linked to one of your episodes just now on our show page. This is the episode with uh, Charmaine Narwani. Charmaine Narwani, uh, yes. It was a great episode. Yeah, Thank we, you for that, Patrick. We've, we've linked to that, so you can get to Marwa's YouTube page that way. And hopefully they'll sort out uh, this issue with uh, YouTube, I, I hope, but I'm not, uh, I I'm hope so. not yes. certain. Yeah, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure either. We might just go to uh, the, the other one. Uh, the, the, now there's... Uh, uh, PewDiePie, I think it's called. I don't know if we're going to go there or not, but at the end of the day, it's going to be us against them in the media, and you still can find it on PressTV.com. Okay, well, there she, there she is. That's Marwa Osman. She's an analyst uh, from Beirut, Lebanon, and uh, thank you again, Marwa, for, for your you, time. Thank you, Patrick, for having me. And for joining us and giving us your uh, un, unadulterated, uh, uncensored <laughs> views of what's going on right now. Uh, in the Persian Gulf, we very much appreciate that. Now Thanks. we're going to we're going to take a short commercial break, and we're going to be back for the final segment of Overdrive with our roving correspondent for culture and sport, Basil Valentine, to get up to date on the latest train wreck uh, in Westminster. That's the Conservative leadership contest. I am your host, Patrick Henningsen. I'm here with Mike Robinson. We'll be right back after these messages. Yo, this is Russell Jordan, aka the Prime Artist. You're listening to the Sunday Wire with Patrick Henningsen. Alternate Current Radio. Keep it current. Stay locked. Exodus, movement of the people. I'ma speak the message, but I need the royalties like we go. You better learn to hear no or see no evil. Cause higher power methods is illegal. In fact, illegal. I'm like a black panther shouting power to the people, but this ain't limited. 